There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, the do I. Alright, right now on the Power Chord Hour, I'm joined by William and Bradley of the band Barely Blind. The band has returned to release a brand new EP called Imagine Troubles, which is out now on TDR Records. The first release from the band in a very long time, so let's discuss new music with Barely Blind. Bradley, William, how you guys doing? I'm doing great, how about you, Bradley? Nice, nice. So, I, uh, you know, like I, like I just mentioned, first release from the band in a long time, so... Like, I was wondering this, for the new release, is this something you guys had, like, in the vaults, or is this something you guys got back together and recorded? In the vault. This is something that we recorded in 2014. We were all living in California at the time as a unit, and um, we, at the time, we were kind of shopping it around. We weren't sure if we were going to make another full length or if we were going to do an EP, and we just kind of sat on it, and then ultimately the band uh, decided to take a long break, and when we did, we never knew if it was going to become released. Fast forward to now, we all gave it a listen and decided that it still sounded good, and we wanted to get it out to everybody that might care. Is that the capacity? Like, the band's not, like, back-back. You're just kind of, like, releasing this? Yeah, exactly. Think, um, Sorry, go. Well, I just want to touch on something I just said, and then I'll let Brad take it. Um, yeah. Sure. Something we all agree on is that we definitely all love these songs, and they we share some pretty intense memories that go surrounded but most mostly we just all like loved them and were proud of them and we wanted people to hear what we had left i mean had you forgotten about i mean because that is that is quite a uh, bit of time in between would you say 2014 i mean had you had you remembered any of these songs or there's some that you had just completely forgotten about definitely not forgotten um you know we all sort of went on our well i went my own way and uh the band continued off in la for uh, some time um and so we're all back in texas now after all this time and uh reconnected friendships and um we're all doing our own projects together me and we'll have a project that we're working on um together and you know through reconnecting we wanted to um uh showcase the the music because it was sort of an abrupt uh ending uh to the band back in the day um it's never really official or anything like that so we uh, we thought that the fans that we had would love to listen to it. Um, I haven't, you know, I've continued to listen to these songs uh, ever since. You know, some some of the proudest work that I've ever ever done. Um, the the person that we re- that we recorded with them, um, Harrison Wargo, uh, under the moniker Bad Boxes, it's another project that he was involved in that you know um, really felt like deserved to be heard, even just from. Uh, him as a producer perspective, you know, he's got a lot to offer bands of our same, um, sound and caliper. So we wanted to, uh, we wanted to, uh, release them. It is a really, uh, well-produced like EP, like everything sounds like really good on it. How long, like what were those sessions? How long did it take to record this back in the day? Do you remember? Uh, two days. Oh geez. Real fast in and out. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is it kind of goes along with what you were saying. Uh, just now is that uh, they I think we all probably remember pretty well because we actually labored over the songs and more than we ever had before so we definitely all probably have a certain memory of them but 
also, again, I can't stress this enough. We were also proud of the production, how it stood the, stood the test of time. Again, you know, but at eight years later, seven years later, they, they actually sound probably better than they did then. So that was another reason we were all like, well, we, we should probably put this out. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, even going off that, like that is also why I had to ask if this was new or not, because honestly, it really does just sound like it could be from right now. Like that sounds like you could have went in the studio today and record that in 2022. Like it really doesn't sound dated in any way. Thank you. I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give that mostly to Bradley's voice. <laughs> well, that and the, the, um, the sick drums. The sick drums, yeah. <laughs> no, the, uh, the sonic, uh, the sonic, um, escape altogether. You know, it was, um, like he said, it was a really quick recording process. We stayed in the studio in North Hollywood just pretty much 24 hours a day for a few days and, um, uh, had, uh, Harrison come down to LA and, um, I mean, I left, uh, LA years before the rest of the guys did. And I brought those songs with me. And I mean, anybody that I ever let listen to, whether it was, you know, right then or out, uh, years later, uh, up to now, they were like, when did you do this? Did you just do this? So it was always something that not just to us, but to everyone that was around us sounded fresh. And, um, you know, for me lyrically, I think that, um, I was talking about things that I was wrestling with that I now have a bit more clarity on, yet all of it still rings true to who I am and where I, uh, where I want to go or, you know, what I think about the world around us. And like I said, we all sort of reconnected as the band uh, individually came back into Texas um, and everyone has their own projects that they're working on now um, in various stages and, uh, getting together, I think it was um, Will's birthday last year, actually. It just sort of, uh, I would say, naturally came to all of our minds a couple of weeks later, like, why the hell wouldn't we just release it? Um, you know, the, our full length was 10 years old. Uh, coming, uh, So we decided, you know, right after that, we would uh, release it just as a a token as as little as a token to the people who were around us and supported us um as a band then but as also um you know um uh, a platform for all of our uh individual projects um uh that we're all working yeah definitely on. also already dust off a little bit of the dust and grease that we might have built up over the years during the all the stuff we've all been through not been able to play together and do shows and Brad and I haven't played a show in quite some time, but it was a way to sort of get our foot back in the door, being involved in music again. I like I like hearing how much like the the EP and the songs meant to you too, because I feel like something like this. And I kind of asked is like sometimes you know bands will go away for a long time and they'll kind of release something from the vaults, but like many times they kind of forgotten about it, and it was kind of like something where you know maybe not an afterthought but it's like oh we found them all these years later and now we're like going to put them out i mean it sounds like in a way you guys thought at some capacity even even when the band was done these would probably make their way out at some point like it sounds like again like not forgotten something you very much at some point probably would have saw coming out well uh, thank you yeah yeah for sure i think that for me personally it it really meant it it i really put personally put a lot into them and I believe that it was apart from the full length, it was really us all finding our sound together. Um, and really just a start for me finding my sound vocally. And, 
and like Will said, I haven't played shows in a long time, but I've carried that with me as inspiration to continue to make music in a personal way. And um, I would definitely consider it motivation to get back on the horse. Um, uh, it's it's just a couple songs, but it is the culmination it, it, um, emotionally of a hard fought uh, yeah um, a hard fought um, move and then a move away from a band that I had been in since I was 15, you know, so it, wow. it, it'll, it was very important to me. Um, so it never, you know, we have songs that are in the vault that, you know, upon getting back together, we would find demos and stuff that made us laugh. We're like, holy shit, we should have made this a song and blah, blah, or blah. Or thank God we didn't were, make that one happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But these really were like my pride and joy for, uh, I mean, even after the band, uh, after I was no longer a part of the band, it was something that, uh, you know, it sort of meant and, and more than just its, uh, on them. yeah, it meant more than the sum of its, you know, parts. It meant a lot to me. No, that's awesome. That's that's definitely awesome. I, I wanted to talk to. I mean, like you, like you guys said, you know, the band's originally from Texas, but where where in Texas did the band start? Well, if Texas had a sort of a butthole, imagine. No, <laughs> East of Houston, the right on the Louisiana dude. border. Oh, okay, okay. So what? So Port Arthur. Like, what was the local music scene like when Barely Blind started? Like, was there much of a scene? Were there places to play in, oh. like bands to play with and stuff? Like, what did that look like in the early days? This this is something I would love to talk about. <laughs> let's get into think, it. Oh, Let's get down. Well, yeah. well. The year was 2003. No, uh, honestly, <laughs> that's something that I hold fond to my heart and think about quite often is that Bradley and I, um, the band actually has gone through a few incarnations, but the original incarnation was with our, our best buddy, Kanan. Um, nonetheless, when we were 14 and 15, we couldn't drive. Our parents would drive us to the shows, but it was at the time, like punk rock was apparently a big deal. You know what I mean? It was on the, it was sort of a new wave of punk rock. We were the kids, but eventually the, the local scene that we did develop and, and we kind of sort of were spearheaded through became very, very, uh, I don't know, robust or bands are coming up and going all the time, as you probably know. And there were bands everywhere, you know, and this is from the time that like pop punk and screamo began to take place and Warped Tour was a big deal. But like there were just so many bands and there was we were constantly defending titles in the battle of the band, as you would know, my friend. <laughs> there many was definitely uh, we definitely came up early and there were lots of um, older, like you said, punk bands. Yeah. And then through uh, through that, we sort of with a a couple of other uh groups in in the area um reed in fact was in the screamo band um yeah. that came up about the same time so we sort of built a really big uh local scene there i mean there was as much there was you know christian music all the way down to dirty sludgy metal um and we would all play together so the 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 uh the music scene in uh southeast texas beaumont port author area was huge um and I mean, it's always had its heyday. I mean, Janis Joplin's from there. Pimp C and UGK are from Port Arthur. Um, so there's always music coming through. Um, and it, like he said, it really became like a B-list city for bigger touring acts. Yeah. 
um, years after we had sort of really brought the, the, the music scene back with the help of many bands. And, um, and so, yeah, uh, we, it was sort of, un- all- it was, it was unorthodox though. You would not have expected it where we were. There was really not a lot else going on, but, um, yeah, yeah. big, uh, big oil town. Yeah. Oh, really? At, at one point we had a, our high school let us throw a show. And I think like, um, almost a thousand kids paid to come see the oh show. God. It wasn't just, not just us, but you know, a handful, maybe five bands. And this is in a town where, yeah, it was crazy, awesome. man. And the T, te- I remember one time I saw my English teacher in the mosh pit and I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> now he's the principal. And there was a lot. I mean, there were kids everywhere. It was awesome. Man. And th- we did it two years in a row. That's so yeah, that's a testament to, to the scene yeah. for sure. Then we were definitely integral in that, but there were lots of, I could ratchet off a bunch of names that no one would hear, would know about, but great, uh, great musicians um, call that home still to this day. I mean, you guys were both so, you know, I mean, like you're just talking about being so young, starting Barely Blind. I mean, is this, was this your like first band or were you guys, I mean, even at that point. First and only, homie. Really? My baby. Nice. I mean, I've done some work with other bands and played drums, but my band, my band band has always been Barely Blind. And there's been really two serious uh, versions of Barely Blind. And I'm definitely not going to go on about this. We can keep it here in the future. But there was an original, there were three of us, and then we morphed into the lineup that we're talking about today, which is uh, Bradley, Steven, Reed, and, and I. And that became a more serious unit, and that's the one that we developed more of a following, I guess you'd say, around you know touring a lot. We toured together, recorded in Baltimore, Paul Levitt, moved to L.A., blah, 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 all that fun stuff. The yeah. uh, you know for touring, like how long after you talk about what a great local music scene you had, like how how far in? I also imagine just even being that age, you gotta gotta be able to be old enough to drive. But like, when did touring start for the band? How long in did you guys start beginning to like play outside of Texas? I mean, in the in high school, we were playing in Houston and Dallas and like the big markets mm-hmm. in Texas. But my gra- my graduation, uh, my high school graduation like party or vacation was a tour to la nice. um, play yeah. shows back and forth and then from there uh you know quickly um i mean we, we all did our hand at college and stuff but it really uh took a hold after at about 19 or 20 we started touring um every every, every season um up until when we moved to la and when we met a gentleman by the name of Steve Sabazili, who plays in uh, hey. Punchline. Yeah, I love Punchline. Shout out, yeah. Steve. Shout out, Punchline. <laughs> um, and and then we, at the same time, we met Mike Collins, who I believe put us in touch, and he was yeah. running the label out of Chicago. And the two of those, uh, with that combination, um, we recorded an EP, and we put it out on GDR Records. And from that moment is when we really geared up and started touring a lot. And we spent probably half our year in Pittsburgh. Wow. You know, from the time. <laughs> I'm just joking, not really. Oh. <laughs> we just we were in Pittsburgh, we were in Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Chicago quite often. Steve is Steve specifically though, his his entire band and Mike are the biggest uh, supporters that we've had and really got us into the wider uh pop punk scene um in our early twenties for sure. 
Was there was there a place like in in the band's touring days? Was there a city or even just part of the country? And I mean, maybe you just said it a second ago. Maybe maybe that is where, but like where you got like the best reception, or you would say like that's where you had the best shows, either in area. Hey, Cleveland or represent Cleveland. Cleveland. I love yeah Cleveland, Cleveland and Pittsburgh, um, Chicago, Cleveland. Well, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and uh, Lacrosse, Wisconsin, which never was all that great, but that whole run. <laughs> We and I will say, Florida has got some awesome small yeah. towns with really good scenes um, that had a lot of fun there. Did yeah. you, did you uh, speaking of, I'm I'm not terribly far from Cleveland. That's kind of where Cleveland, Pittsburgh, regular shows a lot. Did you guys, where okay. are you, like, grog shops? You guys play grog yeah. shop yeah. and stuff? Coventry. Always at the grog. Nice. Oh, nice. John. So kind of kind of that Midwest area then, kind of up here in that Midwest yeah, totally. slash. Yeah, PA is kind. I know it's not Midwest, but it's also like you're close enough. You're right by. Yeah, you're right by Cleveland. You're right by Ohio. We but. also, yeah, we in in terms of Pittsburgh, we used to we played. Uh, we never played Mr. Smalls, but we played uh, the Moose Lodge. We played um, Lava Lounge. We played uh, what's that? What's that club? What's the upstairs that, one? Yeah, what's the one that Stephen and loved? That's the one we it, played the most. Um, so that's Moose uh, Lodge. Brand. Oh, it is. Okay, never mind. Yeah, but it changed names a couple of times. But or it may not be. I'm sure it's not the Moose Lodge. You know, what was it called? Not Mister Smalls. But anyway, there's another one that's that Punchline used to play. That was a larger venue that we played. What was that? Place was it we called played Laga? With Burns Red. Laga. Uh, yes, we have. Yes. Was that the one or no? That's not the one you were thinking. No, of. it's not the one. Man, I can't remember the name. I will remember <laughs> the name. There are a lot of like as you're naming them off, you remind me how many damn good venues are in Pittsburgh actually. Some totally. gone now, but like they had oh, yeah. a lot of venues, like not just one or two. There's a lot of really good venues up that way. Well, this place, I mean, 15 minutes after you were done playing, morphed into an all-out nightclub. I mean, bottle service, it was not like, no joke. I but. think I know where you're talking. Like yeah. Staza nightclub, it's like something. Dude, it's a, it is a pure nightclub. It's got a name like Vane or something. You know, I don't know something crazy Damn. that you never. <laughs> it's to, killing but... me because I've probably been yeah. there too, and I, I'm trying to figure out what you're talking about. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like even actually, kind of going back venue wise, like you were talking about, like like with the scene in your hometown and everything. Like, what were venues like? Was it a place? Because you were saying, like, you know, some of that scene was being brought back as you guys started playing, like. Did that also call for kind of having unconventional places for venues, or was it mostly? Fuck you, oh, yeah. brother. Can we cut? We are we allowed to, to we say used that? To yeah, build them up. Oh, yeah, you're good. I swear <laughs> I'll edit it. We used to do the KC halls, the VFW halls, and we would build the shows ourselves. There was a guy who ran a skate park for a while that was um, a really cool spot for a, a spell. It um, was a teen nightclub that we used to get. Yeah. It would get buck wild in there, brother. <laughs> I don't think they had AC, dude. Oh, my God. I'm, and yeah, down there, Jesus. Hey, you know what I got to say, dude? Shout out to all the sound guys that come in there with a bunch of stuff. About 316-year-olds and always be one 42-year-old guy like smoking ciggies doing sound in the back, brother. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you Just make it seriously, happen. Seriously caring that my kick drum was mic'd up and all that. You know, like seriously caring. So everybody builds it. Yeah, and my dad would be back there, whatever, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, we saw some stuff that should not we should not have been seen. <laughs> all right. Hey, you know that Denny's thing? 
I'm sure yes, every local yeah, I know band what you're talking about. What's yeah. the, I'm pretty sure that that started in our hometown <laughs> from our scene. <laughs> See, I love asking that because I'll talk to people from like these like little pockets of scenes where you may not expect there to be one. But what you start uh-huh. figuring out is that the yes. venues aren't always there. So you got, and that's what intrigues no me. Like you got to make, like not only are you making that scene, now you got to find like the places to play and stuff. Like, Brett. Uh, Brad, what do you, you think the first time we played the uh, Crockett Street, well, a real venue was? How many years? I mean, ago? we were, it was years after we started playing. I mean, yeah. I remember that we <laughs> we used to talk churches into letting us play. Yeah. And then once <laughs> we actually played, they would give us the official year fucking band for life. Yeah, we banned churches. We would bring school. in, you know, three or 416 year old kids that would end up half naked through, you know, 15 <laughs> minutes of our show. Um, so it was, well, it was very unconventional for a while. That nightclub that he was talking about used to be an old supermarket that someone yep. converted into like a, a teen dance Dude. club. And we Dude. talked them into doing a, a band yeah. night. And yeah. then and they from put, there, they, they were like, we want to do a band night every weekend. Um, yeah. They put carpet on the freaking floor of a Dollar General and called it a nightclub. I'm not joking. That's a dead. Yeah, it was I'm an old market dude. basket, dude. Uh, old market it was a basket. Straight yeah. up grocery store. Is this uh, like in a strip mall? Yeah, in a strip mall. <laughs> it used to be the grocery store that I went with my parents when I was yeah. like 10 and 12. And it ended up being the place that I like. I remember we, we had like. Uh, we had, all, I mean, we used to put it at capacity, and the yeah. uh, the fucking fire marshals would come and shut it down um, yeah. until they got like legit insurance, so they could do that um, and got a, a legit uh, a legit capacity number, so they could actually. And then they'd go. be like, they'd be like, man, that was crazy tonight. Ten dollars a head dinner. Here's a hundred dollars, son. Come back. <laughs> yeah. We were like, fuck yeah. Oh my oh, god. No way. We didn't realize until we were playing bars in the bigger cities around our small town that we, that there was actually good money to be made at a door. Um, you know, we were just all, you know, until we were, I mean, we were like 22. Yeah. Well, we, we knew were, that they were making money hand over. Hand, right. We, we just didn't know how to approach them. Cause we were, we couldn't drive yet, you know, and we didn't know how to approach. I mean, we're waiting on our mom to pick up. We're like literally holding our symbols in the back of a truck, you know, like we don't <laughs> know how to like tell an adult, Hey, you owe me more money. Yeah. No, yeah. I could see where that's hard. Very much so. I still don't, honestly. I still, I still can't tell an adult that. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, again, You're like props, adult, props to you, because like again, like to to be able to make that happen that way, you know, like even though there was a good scene, it definitely sounds like you know you had to put forth an effort to get that good scene. It wasn't just something you could like eh, start a band. All right, we got we got all these places no. to play and stuff. You had to really make it happen. Still, yes. We watched remember, the art studio was, in Beaumont. We watched how yeah. they did it, and we just grassroots it. And there were lots of other bands that were willing to do the work with us. And so, it was and I, I will say, I will say that something that definitely encouraged us from a young age is that all the older bands. I mean, we—I swear, sometimes we would play with bands that were forty-nine, uh, fifty, and, and up. You know, just because that's all we at the time before the kids started getting involved. Those were, a lot of the bands were older guys, you know, but they were always so supportive and cool to us. They they never never disrespect. I mean, for the most part, they never disrespect us, and they always encourage us to keep jamming and stuff, you know. And you know, I think that helped us a lot in the beginning because it was intimidating as hell to like set your drums up next to a. Yeah, I remember playing with the big punk band, uh, the Put Downs, and I was like, they're not gonna like this at all. And we played with them at the art studio, and they're like, y'all are fucking awesome. Yeah, they're cool. <laughs> 
No, yeah, I mean, you need that. You need that supportiveness too from yeah the older crowd. I mean, same with like the sound guy you were talking about. Like, props to the sound guy coming in. Yeah, props to that guy. Yeah, because <laughs> you're right. Sixteen hey, year old, like forty freaking dollars, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not. He's not paying yeah. rent with that show. That's not. He ain't paying rent. Period. <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> so let's. I mean, like, as we're kind of talking about that and like the early days and all that good stuff, like for sure. both of you, where does like music? Where does your love for music start? And what were both of your like first instruments? When when did just you know music in general begin for you guys? Well, barely. <laughs> I was I mean, in I uh, school pretty... band. I played like school band instruments, and then when I got into middle school. Um, you know, it's it, as soon as I heard Blink One Eighty Two, I was like, I need a guitar or a bass. And that's where it started for me. Um, so I've always been around music. Nice. Now, what? Now you said guitar. Guitar was your first instrument. Or no, no, no I played, you said band. Played bass. Oh, nice. I, play, I played like school bands, so I was like saxophone and stuff like that. Uh, but as soon as I listened to pop punk, I was like. Got, got as far away from the sax as I could and got a bass guitar. Do you ever go back to it? Have you ever since tried playing a sax again? Hell yes. I just <laughs> learned uh, Careless Whisper because my wife yes. was uh, nice. the sexy really? sax man. For, uh, my, so my last Halloween, my wife was sexy sax man, and I pulled out my old sa- my old saxophone and I learned how to play it. <laughs> Bro, are, that's you, amazing. are you fucking making this up, dog? Are you serious? This is cool. Even if you're making it up, that's a great it. story for a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm, oh, we actually have been lying the whole time. There was no sound guy. <laughs> <laughs> this whole interview is based on lies. Yeah. I'm not even in the band, bro. <laughs> you got the wrong number. Yeah. You even know who we're <laughs> talking <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah, Br- Br- Bill, Brad. That's my name, Brad. Will. Yeah, Will. that's me, of course. Fuck yeah, I'm Will, dude. I, yeah, man, local scene. <laughs> how about how I, about for I, you? Yeah, where's music start with you? Uh, my dad was a was a into rock and roll pretty hardcore but you know to skip all the bullshit like i honestly it's much like brad's you know i remember this gentleman by the name of scott holman in summer school of course what told me he was going to the warp tour that the bands were playing punk rock and at that time i'd only knew like what new metal was you know i didn't know what punk rock was and then i heard blink 22 and his fucking show was over dude like i was already kind of playing drums, but when I heard Blink and, and all the bands that came along that train, I just got real serious about it and started practicing. I met Brad when I was 14, and uh, I think we were at the same stage of our sort of obsession with it, and we just rolled with it. That's yeah, we, we really learned uh, how to be a band together, but we, you know, a couple of years before is when we, I mean, most bands uh, in our genre, they listen to, they got... Uh, Dude Rancher in the state, and then they were off to the races. Yeah, that is yeah. that is like one of the. I feel I feel like pick your pick one of those, and it's like yeah, how many bands has like that influ? You know, like yeah, I mean, form. I think yeah, back before pro- that, and I'm like, I listened to James Taylor with my dad. I got a Cranberries tape once, and then look like. <laughs> that really does just yeah. change the game forever. That is like just a game changer. It's very it's hard to look back after that. Yeah, I mean, I swear you probably listen to Fred King's Land on their part. Like, yeah, it was Blink One or Two. It fucking did it for me. <laughs> I need <laughs> Blink. If you're 34 and under, I mean, and over into 40 something, it was definitely Blink. They don't matter. What I remember the first time I listened to them, I was with my cousin, and he was in 
he was in college. He was a, a junior in college and he was flipping out about this band. And yeah, it was that's sick. like the first time I listened. <laughs> nice. So they were, uh, they were definitely, uh, they definitely spanned the, um, the genre, uh, different uh, markets for sure and i'm with you about the age thing where it's like if if you tell me otherwise like it was some other band you're trying to like be cool and throw something in, yeah. yeah like you're lying dude you're lying you loved neutral milk records. hotel really got yeah. yeah yeah if you say that like, i'm just like you're lying dude come on i, I know that but people are like, it was the beatles it was pinch. i'm like brother you're 30 years old dog you know freaking beatles homie yeah <laughs> you just Though it's incredible to to finally get to finally you know discover those old bands like that's what the true test of the timeless uh, group is you know you could be thirty in in two thousand twenty two and you first discover uh, Pink Floyd for your first time and it's the most transcendental experience. I definitely know, for us it was blank for sure. See, but I kind of like that because I've and I've talked about this with people kind of where I go. I think you're better off because Blink still does have a window. I also get if you're 45 and you discover Blink that it might not like be the earth-shattering right. thing for you. So it's almost like it's good to discover that band earlier on and it sticks with you. Oh, yeah. And then go find Pink Floyd and all that other stuff. Like find that sure, later. That's what comes. It'll you never find the love of It's not yeah. going away. You can go listen to that later. You can get into that like in your 30s and stuff. It's like I, I feel like the blink connection you need that in that time of your life and that's why like that certain age group it's like if you're in that age range that's your album because you were a certain age at that time and you know just the, oh, yeah. the impact it has on you well they I definitely left. realized the demographic and they hit it hard and it was right it was exactly what i needed it definitely kept me on the straight and narrow and like became you know um comfortable with myself and not scared to be, you know, uh, who I wanted to be. And also kept me out of trouble because I found Same. news that wanted to play music. Do you feel like um, that makes it? And, you know, there's a lot of trouble to get into in a small town in Texas. Do you also feel like, yeah. like, do you, do you think listening to Blink when you guys, you know, like early on and then you kind of go into doing Barely Blind and stuff, in a way, do you also feel like that, like, it's more obtainable? You know what I mean? Like, if you're listening to a lot of, like, prog rock or something and you're, like, 14 oh, or 15. Oh, that was the whole Right, you know, you know, that was the whole it. lure of it all. Is that although it was not as simple as it seemed, and the guys were were professionals, there was something about it that was made just about anybody feel like it was accessible. Now, I don't know how or why it did that, but it did that to me on not only drums but because guitar as well. We were I learning. Like I remember stuff. learning how to play guitar and like learning all these different like Green Day, like learning to like play guitar and stuff, and then. Hearing and listening to what's my edge again, and figuring out what the guitar did, and figuring out a power chord, I was like, I can do this. I can do this. And yeah, from from then you obviously see that they're incredible songwriters, and they have a, a sensibility with melody and stuff. And that stuff you develop over over time. But it's true that if you have something to say and a voice to to say it, it that's the only barrier to entry, really. I mean. There's many ways to play guitar and to play other instruments that don't, you know, you don't have to be Dana Carey to play the drums and to, for people to resonate uh, with it. Yeah, I, I, I do. I really, I, I think that's important. I mean, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't, obviously millions of bands have sounded like Blink and they are not Blink. So, I mean, there is still the mm-hmm. talent factor of it, you know, but the, but I do think one of the greatest assets of them is that attainability where you can look at that and go, I can't yeah. figure out all the small things. Maybe I can't go yeah. figure out this song with a 10-minute guitar solo, but 
but I can figure out all the small things in the afternoon or something. You know, I can kind of, I can kind of totally. learn from there. But yeah, uh, I remember yeah. learning the "What's My Age Again" the little riff, and then seeing them at the Pop Disaster tour at the Woodlands, and Tom was drunk as hell, and he had to start it over. I was like, <laughs> it's it's me, dog. It's fucking my boy. Like this is easy. It's like yeah. Mark Hoppus used to have to sit down to play Carousel in old live videos. For a long time, he had to sit down to play it. I'm like, dang, homie. They even made a poster out of that, too. <laughs> outside of outside of music, do either of you have any, like, would you say, like, another kind of creative outlet? Or is all your, like, creative outlet music, like, is all your creativity going to music? Oh, no. Will's a prolific uh, artist on Canvas. Awesome. Awesome okay. art. Really? I have uh, I have at least two originals of hanging up in my house. Wow. Nice. Brad's, a good, Brad's an artist as well, too, but he doesn't paint as often as I do. Was that? I, to me, it's all the same. I don't know. That's just how I feel. I, I, even just talking to me, or talking and hanging out, or like painting and trying to just do whatever. I just like to create at all times as much as I can. You think yeah, just being of, modest? Does, you think it just <laughs> yeah, I did the artwork for the for the EP, by the way. That I did that. Oh, really? It looked, yeah. That's nice artwork too. Did you do that? <laughs> hey, he's like, did, did, for perfect. <laughs> anyway, next next question. Did you <laughs> did you do it recently? Or is that like an old old thing? No, no, I did it recently. Yeah, I worked on uh, here. I would go to Kinko's and scan a bunch of shit, and they'd think I'm crazy and stuff. It's really awesome. <laughs> Is that something you've been, and for both of you, I mean, is that something you've been doing since you were, like, younger? Did that come later after music? You just kind of picked it up later on. I definitely I always liked art class. Yeah. You, your, his mother, uh, you know, art teacher, um, artist by, by trade, um, and I don't know when you started doing it, but ever since I can remember, you were artistic in more ways than just the drums. Yeah. I don't really know either, but I just always enjoyed it too, a lot. See, I and I was going to ask. You I would say that when you're, I would just say that in LA is when Will started yeah. really uh, painting more, uh, uh, way more. I mean, you have a huge back catalog of stuff from when you lived out there. I mean, you were yeah, really well, I think I would just be so broken and lonely and and scared out of my fucking mind. So I'm like, I'd probably just paint something. Like I'd probably be right. <laughs> like, I knew I could do that and feel better. You know what I'm saying? It's a nice outlet, Very yeah. I mean, positive outlet for something like that. Thank you. You well, think it's positive, but that's, that should have turned it oh. back on you too. <laughs> oh no, it can turn on you. Do you uh, do you paint or, or do you? Do no. You, oh God, I I can't. I can draw a stick figure. It's about as far as I can get artistically. So this is all very interesting. I like hearing about this kind of stuff because I know nothing about it. I understand. I'm the same way with photography. I'm like, I have no idea how to take you. Brad can take great pictures, by the way. And his dad took photos of us for an album one time. It was awesome. But uh, I have no idea. How, if people are like, we take a picture of me and my share. And they're like, this picture sucks. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know, okay? Have it the well, all of it takes a bit of uh, all of it takes a bit of technique and a bit of uh, history and 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 uh, practice. But when it comes to putting something on a canvas, you have so much, so much. Uh, if so many other avenues, you know, when you're trying yeah. to take a picture, when you're trying to make some songs, you have confined limitations uh, that you're working in. 
That's a great point because with, I mean, if you're taking a picture, you're going to have some kind of subject in front of you or whatever, whatever your surroundings are. It could just be your surroundings, but you do have that. We're just doing a painting. You have that frame that you have to stay in. Yeah. yeah, you have that. Just whatever I guess is in your head, basically. Like you don't have something in front of you. You know, maybe sometimes you yeah. do, but depending what you do, you don't always have something in front of you to paint. You're just going off your, you know, your mind and stuff. Whereas, yeah, with a photograph, still an art form. But I mean, yeah, you you may have whatever that thing is in front of you. Whether the you're subject. Gonna, yeah, you have the subject. You know, so I, I see. I, yeah, I don't I know. Never it thought makes of it sense. That way. I feel with well, going, going back to what he said a second ago, um, Bradley, I think you said it, but yeah, like just with that, yeah, it is interesting. The difference that I've never thought of that. Cause again, I, I can't paint to save my life, but the difference between that and photography and really having, I think to depend more on your own mind when painting. I see. You know. Well, something I will say is that it's a lot. And I learned this over the, over COVID is that it's, it's a great deal of fun painting and making things on your own, but collaborating is always, especially on music is the best. Nothing else like it because, you know, an instrument it's, if you think about what an instrument really is, it's an instrument and you both have one. So you get to do it together. And to me, that's, that's what makes it so much fun. Yeah. Cause is yeah. there a way, is it, I mean, is, I don't know. Is there a way to collaborate? When it comes to like art, is there a way to collaborate? I think like that couples sometimes rub paint on each other and do it all over the canvas, and, they, and then they, that's how you do that. Yeah, that's the that's only that's collaborating in art. Okay, that's collaborating on paint canvas. Yeah, other than that, not not possible. Nope, never been done. I think it's definitely harder with painting because you're you're sort of you're putting your essence into uh, some paint and, and a canvas, and adding someone else's perspective could like totally distort what you were going but yeah. going after but i mean they have tattoo artists that sit and do a whole back piece uh as a duo so it's possible it you look at the back you're like well the left side looks good who did the left the right side <laughs> one on the left knew what they were doing <laughs> yeah. this is my apprentice dude <laughs> i think that all comes down to uh compatibility though too especially with music i mean you can jam with anybody, but then when you're creating, it's it is a different uh, it is a different thing. You have to be on the same wavelength for sure. Yeah, that and then I mean the other thing too, and then and then we can move on from art. But like you you were just saying with kind of like the difference between a band and, and doing art. Also, you can't hide behind like there's not four guys up there with you. Like that's that's you. You kind of represent whatever that art is. That's all you. There's not like three other yeah. guys you can kind of like lean on or oh, go. Yeah. yeah, it was this. It's like no, that was right. all you. <laughs> Yeah, so Will, Will actually, um, for the house that me and my wife bought, he made this big five by seven uh, piece, and it took him. I mean, he's he, he'll tell he'll admittedly tell you he redid it three times on the canvas. Uh, the canvas ended up black because he painted over it so many times. But that's him putting all of his creative force onto a page. There's nothing but his texture with the paintbrush to hide the texture underneath it with music when it comes to you know you build something with your buddies like we did and then you figure out a way to work together and to strengthen you know your drummer's weaknesses or your singer's weaknesses and there's ways that you can hide uh inconsistencies but when you're just an artist or an aspiring artist with the you know some oil paints and the fucking canvas it's it's uh it to me is definitely one of the most archaic um art forms for sure and that it's you know just as bare as it can be that's really interesting i mean again just from not not knowing shit about any of that i mean it's all really things i've never thought of before so that's really uh 
I don't know. That's really neat with just art in general. I mean, I can I can appreciate that. I may not be able to do it, but it makes me kind of. Appreciate and I will say, re, with with Will's uh, with Will's pa- the painting that the big one that I was talking about, I can I can't hear colors or anything like that, like some savants can, but I can definitely tell the type of like when I look at the paintings that he does, they are synonymous with the type of riffs that he writes and the the types hey, the type brother. of sounds that he wants to make they're not they're not he's not pulling from two different uh pots you know he's he's learned how to emote <laughs> using different uh pathways you know it's all the same creation just coming in different forms for sure See, we talked about that at nauseam well we have, but that's interesting because, like, like really, I was going to ask earlier when asking about the creative outlet thing, like, including for you, Will, like, does it come from different places? And, I mean, you've already kind of said it doesn't, which is interesting because some people are yeah. like, yeah, I feel like it comes from this and that, where you're like, no, all from your creativity is, yeah. like, just one big, a big old pot of creativity to pull yeah. from. For me, that's how it's always been. Um, I've always enjoyed it, mostly music at the top but very near i like to it, it's not just painting i just like to create stuff you know what i mean um i like being in a band wild shit with because the, you, with the scanners yeah yeah i like working with scanners i know that's we won't get into all like, the details of that you know what i'm saying but i like uh i just like to create stuff i like to collaborate the most though that's why music always works out the best because like i said you don't want two dudes like it's just not as beautiful on the canvas if you're both rolling around on it <laughs> Is there anything you've ever wanted, just create like creatively, you've wanted to try and never have? I got could it? It could be another instrument, it could be writing, it could be like whatever. But is there something you've never pursued but would still like to play guitar live? That'd be nice. How about? Yeah, would be the only thing that I've, I'm probably too scared to ever do that, but something I would like to do one day. I mean, I don't know, but maybe I will. But behind the drums, I just feel at home and feel completely safe, and I know exactly how to fucking. You know, if I screw something up, I know exactly what to do. And it's less than a moment to get back on track with the guitar. I just feel like I'm literally naked on stage. Like, I don't know how you could possibly. I just don't know how you could do it. Or God forbid, I'll never sing. it. I don't have any desire to. But I mean, anything where I'm exposed with a melodic instrument, I would like to do it live. But yeah. Besides that, that's about it. (laughs) How about you, Bradley? I mean, is there anything you like creatively you've never maybe you've never tried or maybe even just kind of flirted with a little that you'd like to actually like jump in and like do well i mean i would say writing and singing my own songs like i mean we had a long career as a band together but like i was saying earlier at the top i i really was just starting to find my voice and uh um i wouldn't call it unfinished business but unexplored territory has yet to be um charted for me like uh you know me and we're all doing our own things now but me and will have reconnected and music is still a a life force for me um i've always you know dabbled in creative things but um i think the one that i have most designs on is you know uh sharing a perspective and a voice nice nice well as we as we close this up I will ask you, I'll put you on the spot here, and people either people either have answers to this or they really got to think, but I still like asking it. So, I mean, 
is there anything coming up as we're speaking of, you know, new music with Barely Blind? Is there anything you guys are anticipating to come out the rest of 2022? Anything you're like looking forward to coming out later this year? I'll say that Brad and I have been hard at work on something and we're about to take it into the next phase. And I don't know if it will be in this calendar year, but within a year's time, it will be something that will be out. And that's something that I look forward to the most is what Brad just spoke on is getting to support his voice and hit complete creative freedom on his end. And me also Reed's not here, but he's got a group that he is with that will be releasing lots of music and touring in this calendar year. And next, um, Steven as well. I know that he's been working on music. Uh, so we're all very much in, uh, in the space of wanting to create and, and release. I think that, um, apart like with other music, seeing some of, these bands that I grew up with and loved, like Bright Eyes, for instance, is on tour, and Cursive just hit a new, a huge tour for um, one of their old records. Um, uh, seeing uh, the resurgence after COVID, and seeing all these uh, these bands that you know I grew up on and continue to listen to, um, I love to see it. You know. Um, so yeah. happy that people are out there now you know the Foo Fighters uh you know re- you know uh, sad things have happened but you know they were hitting it so hard um and that's a another big uh inspiration that me and Will have had uh throughout our um, musical careers um to see them you know still playing to 20 40,000 people all the inspiration in the world no, very, very uh, true with that, including, yeah, I mean, for going for going that long, you know, you definitely have to have admiration for that to stick it out as long as uh, they have and all of that. It's also cool, too. I mean, like, there's all these things, obviously, to look forward to you guys, like, even just outside of Barely Blind. I mean, you all very much, like you just said, are still very, very active. So, you know, you check out Barely Blind, but you still got, like, new shit to check out, too. Lot, yeah. Like, lots of stuff to check out. Thank um, you, yes. So, I mean, really now, and we can, you know, I was going to ask, too, like, where can people find the new EP? Where can they find you online? But also, like, your new bands, like, all that good stuff. You want to, if, if like, your projects, I don't know if you guys have, like, socials and stuff yet for your, uh, like, the stuff you're working on and all that, but where can people Not find for us, but we'll, we'll plug Reed, UFO, yeah. UFO, yeah. on all the major socials. Um, I can't remember Stevens. um I don't know Steven's handle, but Reed's handle is UFO. Ashen Iris, I believe, is what it is for Steven. And yeah, UFO, UFO band for Reed. We don't have socials yet, but we um, would direct people to the EP that we yeah. uh, put out. And something, something I would like yeah. to say before we go is that the EP is something that we're very proud of is that the EP is available on vinyl. Um, you can get it at uh, tdrrecords.com uh, or if you go to the Barely Blind socials, you'll find it there. We're very proud of it. It's a limited pressing and uh, I did the artwork for it. And obviously the, all the guys are involved too. Um, and we're just really proud of it. And so if you want to support it, um, pick up a vinyl or, you know, give it a stream on Spotify. Very nice. Yeah, definitely, definitely check it out. I mean, we'll play, uh, we'll at least play a few, which I mean, it's like four songs. So you'll hear like half the EP right now, but uh, right now we're going to play, we'll kick it off with the opener. So right now here is better together off the uh, EP Imagine Troubles right here on the Power Chord Hour. It's not my intention to lead you anywhere. I can't go believing you don't know her. You say that you mean it one foot at a time. 
This is Chelsea from Stress Dolls, and you are tuned into the Power Chord Hour. I said, why is everything? 